Yes, hellfire damnation, yes. hellfire damnation. <laughs> the mighty eagle rises again. Yes, indeed, everybody. This is what we've been waiting for. Saxon yep. Biff Pfeiffer joining us from the legendary, legendary band Saxon. The new wave of British heavy metal is alive. Metal is alive. The fire breathes and tortures are sweet. Hey, hey. Oh, yeah. Hey. How you yeah. doing? Good. That's Biff from Saxon. You're rocking it with David Shane. Hellfire. Yes. Hey everybody, this is Ron Halford. Rudy Sosa. Hi there, this is Steve Hackett. You folks are just freaking out of triumph. We're talking rock with Dave and Shane. Woo! Biff, congratulations on an amazing record. Um, just talk about the fire that you guys bring on this one here, because it is, is it, you guys are as heavier uh, than ever. You, you guys are as heavy as ever. Yeah, um, yeah, we just, um, you know, we want, we, we're always trying to write the perfect song, you know, and the perfect album. Never achieve it, obviously. But uh, we try hard, you know, to write great songs. And, uh, you know, Brian coming to us from uh, Damerhead, I think he got quite a few ideas in his back pocket that he hasn't used for, for many years. So, uh, you know, I asked him if he got any ideas. He sent me a couple of ideas. So uh, I went with those, really. So, um I think it made a bit of a difference to the uh, dynamics of the band, really. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know, uh, Paul, guitarist Paul Quinn, uh, has been with you guys, you know, on this journey for a long time. Uh, he retired from touring last year. Uh, did that whole thing come as a shock? And how is that, how did that affect the studio thing, or did it not affect it at all? Well, it, it didn't come as too much of a shock because he talked about it for quite some time, you know. I mean, uh, he was he was thinking about it for for a couple of years really. I think um, I think he just got fed up of playing metal music and and sweating and running around and writing albums. I just think he wanted to relax and chill a bit, you know. Uh, I mean, he deserves it. He's, he's a legend, and uh, you know he's definitely paid his dues. So if he wants to chill and play the blues in his other band, then that's fine by us, you know. They just they were just lucky that we got Brian as he left. So it turned out, um, you know, the, the back thing turned out to a pretty good thing, really. So, you know, you've got to take what you what you get given, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. As a singer to work with a new guitarist um, who has a different uh, perspective on things, new riffs, new ideas. What's that like for you? Is that pretty inspiring? Well, I mean, a couple of songs. He didn't write, all, he didn't write the whole album, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he did a couple of songs. Three songs he did with me, actually. I wrote three songs with him. Uh, Help by Damnation is his riff. Uh, uh, Madame yes. Guillotine, uh, you know, uh, I think Doug co-wrote a bit of that one with us. And um, and 1066 was uh, was it, what we wrote together. So he's got three songs you know, out of ten, which is pretty good going. So yeah, um, say, yeah. yeah, we're just, we're just glad that he we, we, he had some ideas and uh, you know he you know we were working together. Me and Doug and, and Brian did the guitars together because Andy was busy with Judas Priest in Las Vegas. So uh, we did the guitars right. together and they played absolutely brilliantly together, uh, Doug and Brian. So I think they're um, 
you know, we've done some live shows, and I think people are going to love them, you know. I think the partnership, Dirk Scarrett and Brian Tatler, is amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, uh, I'm just looking at that wall, your your camera tilted up. What, what's hanging back there? You got some guitars? Got is, a, that, is that your I've office? Got a, uh, I've got a, uh, a 1965 uh, SG Junior, the white one. Nice. Uh, and I think the other one is a, uh, a 1984. Let me have a look. Oh, yeah, it's a 1984. I forgot what they call it, actually. It's a weird, a weird guitar. It's a Gibson. It's like half, half West Paul, half Telecaster. Uh, night, night bird, is it something like that? Or, yeah, it's yeah. cool guitar. That's the one my son plays in his band, actually. So he, that's a guitar he has. Yeah, nice, nice. very cool. What, what, what's it like to uh, so your son following in your footsteps in music? Uh, what, what's that like? That's great. He's doing his own thing. You know, it's not metal music. It's more, more sort of. Uh, you know, uh, sort of um, mainstream stuff he plays now. So it's uh, pretty good, really. You know, he's, he's uh, got a great band together. And it's sort of jazzy, come solely, come, you know, rocky. It's pretty unique stuff he's writing. So he's really happy at the moment. He's having to work for a living, though. He does, a, he does two jobs on the band as well. So he's paying his dues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think it's uh, going to be harder and harder for younger musicians? like your son to, to make money uh, the way you guys did, you know, the way the system is set up and sort of rigged at this point. Yeah. I think it's pretty, pretty slow going for a new band because, you know, there's no record companies rushing out to, to give people a million pounds anymore, you know, for a, for a 10 year contract or something. So, you know, the, yeah, I mean, record companies, agents and management all take their time and listen to the bands, find out, you know, that, the bands are compatible together, whether they can live together, whether they can tour together. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of sort of things that the band has to be now. Back in the days, you just have to be a you just have to be a really great band and wrote great songs. You didn't have to yeah. you didn't have to like each other. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> you didn't have to sort of you know not be uh, you know not be like uh, you know stop drinking and stop taking drugs. They didn't have to do any of that then. It was just that. But now it's um, for young bands, I think you know a lot of other companies and people, and definitely on social media, you have to look right. You have to get the, you know, target the right audience. I think it's a minefield now, but um, you know, it is what it is. You've got to go with the flow. You know, got to got to move with the times. And Seb's um, pretty active on, uh, you know, on social media, so he'll do all right, I think. Speaking of working with the times, I mean, for you guys, you know, to keep going now on so many bands or, you know, the industry has changed so much with AI and so much of that out there. Has that influenced you guys at all? Or is that something you're curious about or freaked out about? Uh... I don't really know how it works with the AI, to tell you the truth. I know I know you can get some software and put in some, uh, put in some lyrics and it comes back with a poem for you, but... Uh, and no, we've not used it. We probably won't. We have a lot of enjoyment writing songs and telling stories, you know. So it's my thing. So I, I don't think we're going to use AI. I think uh, I think some of the images on uh, the something in Roswell are probably created from somewhere, you know, because obviously they're not real photographs because nobody has actually photographed a UFO with somebody standing next to it before. So, um, yeah. you know, I think I think the video is quite groundbreaking on that on that. To start, you know, 
Yeah. It's a heavy you, you, track too. Oh, such a heavy track. Yeah. <laughs> what, what before your, uh, I mean, next year is going to be 50 years for you guys. Um, your thoughts, your thoughts on metal, how it's changed since the, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal, as it's called over here. Um, what are your thoughts on, on how metal has, has changed? Do you like the direction it's gone in? Does it not interest you? Well, I think, I think, you know, the different genres that split off, you know, there's some great, there's some great music out there really, you know, you've got the symphonic stuff, uh, you know, that came out of Sweden at the time. Uh, you've got ghosts who are quite, you know, following that sort of thing. So, um, you know, you've got a man on mouth and the death Viking metal, you know, you've got Slipknot, you know, you've got all these different uh, bands that are pretty big and, uh, you know, they weren't, you know, that, I don't think that music would be around if it wasn't for bands like ourselves and I made and Judas Priest. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, Mortuary as well. I think, I think it's pretty good at the moment. Uh, I think there's quite a few bands coming through. You know, I'm seeing bands getting some press and getting reviews in newspapers, you know, getting reviewed by, by guys like you, you know, Burning Witches seem to be doing all right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you just have to get the song and have to capture, you have to have something a little bit unique in the band, whether it be a, a guitar player or it's the band itself or you've got a great singer. There has to be something in there that people can lock on to and go, I really like these guys, you know, basically. Yeah. Going back, uh, kind of picking up on Shane's question, you know, um, almost 50 years. I mean, can you take us back to those early days, you know, when you guys were starting out, Maiden was starting out, Angel, which all these like great bands, you know, I guess Priest maybe was a few years earlier, but like, what, yeah. like, how you guys were so hungry back then and so passionate. What did, what did that mean? What was the scene like? How would you describe that scene and, and that, that, uh, initial era well it was it was exciting you know i mean uh, you know bands like you first and mortuary were, were already big and uh you know when when the new bands like saxon and like you say made and, and uh, uh diamond head uh you know uh Blitz Street, all these bands uh you know made and start to get noticed um it was fantastic you know it's a fantastic feeling and there was a massive uh, a massive move from like a really young audience that really got into into us really, and uh, that took us took us uh, really high, you know, in 1980. Uh, but I remember the first time we played in in America. We played a show in uh, we did Whiskey a Go Go in uh, Los Angeles. We did four shows. Yeah. That's the famous one where Metallica supported. And you know there were people queuing around the block that couldn't get in. So. That was exciting as well, you know. We we suddenly realized that hey, th this thing's happening in America as well. These people know who we are, you know. We're we're, we're sold out shows here, so it was a great time, you know. And I think it wasn't just uh, wasn't just the UK. I think it, you know, that movement uh, of it, nineteen eighty, that new wave of heavy metal, British heavy metal, swept around the planet. You know, we did Japan in nineteen eighty. That was absolutely crazy. You know, we had like. <laughs> You know, thousands of people following us everywhere. It was like crazy, man. And uh, you know, to 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 experience that um, is is uh, is a great thing. You know, in 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 a musician's life, you want to get that once, maybe. Some people never get it, you know. But 
to have that, um, you know, fantastic adulation from from people that were like so into the band, you know, it was self, you know, they just loved the music. What can I say? They loved all that, you know. They loved everything about it, really. Was there a was there a friendly rivalry between you guys? Did all you guys becoming big at the same time? You have the Krang. Well, there's uh, always a friendly rivalry, even now. You know, I mean, you know, when you play festivals, you know, we know everybody. We're happy, but once you go on stage, man, it's like you know, friendships off. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's on hold for a while. You know, so yeah, we, we've got some great. Uh, you know, great times. I mean, people will wind you up, you know. If you're really friends with the people, you know, they'll wind you up. I remember we did the festival with Slipknot and we were like, they were in the next restaurant and we were on before them. And we were like, we're going to, we're going to mess you up. You're going to have to follow this. You know, nobody can follow denim and leather. And they were like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's quite good fun, you know, giving it yeah. some, you know, some grief backwards and forwards. But it's all friendly banter, I suppose, you know. Yeah. When you travel, when you play different countries, um, is it amazing? You've got people speaking different languages, but they know Saxon music and they're singing Saxon songs. Does that ever, that never gets old, right? Well, you know, rock and roll, you know, rock and roll generally is a universal language. You know, I've been, I've been to see, uh, you know, I've been to see a Ramstein a couple of times and they're singing German. To see an English audience singing German lyrics is a bit strange. But you know they learn from they learn the, the songs off the off the CD, read the lyrics, trans, transpose them themselves. You know, so uh, yeah, it's a great thing. You know, people we meet people in some parts of uh, of the world that don't speak English at all, really, but they know all the songs, they know all the lyrics, and they sing along. You know, so it's a it's a great thing, really. Yeah. Hey, how excited are you for this this uh, upcoming tour in the U.S. with Uriah Heep? Uh, it was a great idea. How did it come about? Well, it's uh, we 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 were going to come um, we were going to come last year, but we were actually we weren't going to come last year. With accept, actually, we were talking to accept about it, but we just could not finalize the details. You know, we just couldn't get the we just couldn't get the details, uh, you know, settled because this we have to have three months to get a visa now to come to America. It's quite complicated, yeah. So if you can't, if you haven't got a visa, you can't get on the plane. So it just didn't work out that we couldn't, you know, accept live in America. So it's easy for them. So we couldn't get the details worked out uh, quick enough. So you know, we the uh, same manager, our manager managers, you're right. So we put it together that we could probably tour together. You know, they wanted to tour uh, US on their album that came out last year. Uh, we're keen to tour on the new album. You know, uh, obviously. So. Yeah, I think it's a good package, you know. You're right, you've been going making albums a lot longer than we have. So, you know, they've probably got more back catalogue than we have. So uh, it'll be a great, uh, great chore, I think. Two different styles, but very heavy and, hum and humble. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, what it, Metal, you said the other day, I think, you know, metal is as big. Um, it, the, the resurgence has just been, you talked about the, the resurgence of metal. Um, isn't it the greatest fan base in the world? It just the, the loyalty of metal fans, it just seems like it's second to none. Yeah, I think I think uh you know when we beat when you beat together, I mean our first album came out in 1979. So 
it's like what 46 years now is it uh 24 albums studio albums we've got so uh, for people to stay loyal uh, for for that long it's a fantastic thing you know it's you know it's why we keep going really we keep going for the fans and we're songwriters so we love to write new songs but you know it's it's uh, it's just a fantastic thing and we're picking up new fans all the time you know i'm sure this album will pick up some new fans especially in america uh, so the family will be growing and that's what it's all about you know yeah this album uh you know mad of guillotine Fire and Steel, or something in Roswell, Pirates of the Airwaves, Cupola Khan, and The Merchant of Venus. Is it harder for you to come up with these ideas and songs as you get older, or is it pretty much second nature at this point? I mean, where where do you get a, a, lot, a lot of these ideas and themes, Biff? Well, I'm pretty well read, you know, and uh, I love history. I'm always looking, I'm always like, you know, watching things on TV or on 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 the phone, or I'm reading some article in some magazine, or you know, I'm reading a book. So I'm, you know, these things, these history things, uh, they're in my head, and uh, you know, I almost have a crazy brain. They come out, but I love storytelling. You know, that's that's what I'm doing with these songs. I'm telling stories about things that happened in the past. Uh, you know, Roswell. You know, witches of Salem. Uh, but I'm interested, and it's you know you can't write songs about sex, drugs, and rock and roll forever. Not you know you can't have like ten songs about that on every album. So you know, although although metal is good time music, you know there's only so many time songs you can write about having a good time. You know, so right. uh, it interests me. Uh, it, history always has. You know, I mean, there's history songs on Wheels of Steel. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dallas one PM is history. It's American history. So I think Maiden do very similar. They write historic songs as well, don't they? Uh, yes. Scandinavian yeah. bands like Sabaton, you know, Amon and Moth, they, they write historic songs. So it's, you know, I suppose we are one of the, uh, we're one of the, 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 the front runners of historic metal, if you can call it that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there a yeah. certain period that you, uh, you fancy? No, I just bring them all. You know, I like everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to have a, it has to have a bit of age to it. Uh, I don't really like writing about recent history very much. On the last album, I did a song about COVID, which is a bit special, I suppose. You know, but uh, you know, generally, I like it to be, you know, back, you know, sort of uh, back in 1940s. But, you know, the 40s is a good time to stop. Bit of history, but uh, I mean, Roswell's fairly fairly new thing, 1947, I think. Yeah. Roswell, yeah. and uh, it's one of them things, you know, that um, if if you're into conspiracy theories and you're into UFOs, um, then Roswell's Grand Zero. Yeah. So, so you know, it's a good. Somebody should write a song about Roswell. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm a believer. I'm a Roswell believer, me. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's fascinating. There you go, you see. Smash it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, ask about the government's UFO report. Did that play into, I mean, that maybe might have been more recent. I think that was like a, a few months ago. But did yeah. that kind of factor in? Um, or, or, you know, like, what, what was your take on, no. on that? I mean, because <laughs> here in this. No, it, yeah. it, no it didn't, I, I know what you're saying about when the, when the U.S. Uh, government re uh, released all the, uh, you know, the sightings that they couldn't explain. 
which, uh, you know, so, yeah. no, it didn't influence it. No, because we were writing when that came out, you know, so, uh, but it's really good. I mean, it makes makes the song really like current, you know. No, I didn't really plan it. Just um, I, I, just in my book, I, 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 Roswell in my book of, of titles, and Roswell was in there. Yeah. Um, there's something in Roswell fitted fitted the music that uh, that Nibs actually, the bass player, wrote uh, the riff for that song, and it, it fitted my idea of you know there's something in Roswell. So I had the chorus first, yeah, and then wrote the verses later. You know, yeah. Is that your approach, or does it differ? Like you know, when you write a song, you know, the the chorus first, or it just it's whatever comes to you. Um, it it it, it differs. It differs. Um, I mean, I like to I like to have all the music and then write lyrics to it, but it doesn't always happen like that. It might happen that mm. you know I have to I have to work one to one with with one of the guys, uh, you know, to get it where I want it to be. Uh, there's a lot of arrangement things go on. Uh, you know, guitar riff isn't a song, is it? It's just a guitar riff until we make it into a song. So uh, some some ideas are like quite long and and arranged, and some ideas are just a riff. You know, so. It just depends, really. You know, I mean, 1066, I sort of, uh, you know, I worked closer with Brian on that. We changed a bit so I could get in my melodies. And uh, I sang him this little guitar part, a harmony part after the after the, the chorus, and I sang that to him. I said, why didn't you put this in? So like, da 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 So he copied that. So we do that all the time, you know, work backwards and forwards. So I don't think there's any, any rule... Mm. Just anything goes, whatever makes a great song works. Yeah. Love it. We know we know that you knew uh Lammy for like 36 years uh when he passed in, in, in 2015. Is there a day that goes by you don't miss somebody like that, somebody that big? I think I think about Lemmy every now I think about Lemmy every day. And then he was he was uh, you know, he was a good friend, actually. We had some good laughs together. We had some great times together. And, uh, you know, he was a history buff as well. So he, he wrote quite a lot of historic uh, stuff, usually about the war. He was very into the war, you know, First and Second World War. Uh, but, yeah, we had, we had good times together. And he loved the band. You know, we, we, loved, we loved to play. He loved to tour together because there was no stress. You know, it was all good fun. And, Lots of uh, lots of pranks, you know, backstage and things. And uh, and then his later, you know, we were on tour when he died. Actually, with them, we we're just having a break for Christmas. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was sad to see him go, really. But um, you know, he wasn't very well. I, th I think, you know, I think it was good. He just he just, uh, you know, his girlfriend told me that he just went to sleep early and didn't wake up playing video games on the telly. So there's probably shooting, I don't know, shooting Nazis or something. <laughs> he just died, you know. So, yeah. yeah, it's been sad, but, you know, he was a great guy and his memories of him are great. It's like, uh, I think all the greats, um, you know, all the great rock, like Ronnie, Ronnie Deal, you know, we knew him quite well as well. It's always sad when, when people, uh, you know, die, really, and you're not going to see them again or go on tour with them again or meet them again. But, you know, it's just life, isn't it? You know. Do you have any um, favorite uh, stories of uh, Ronnie and Lemmy? Like any, you know, is there a story that stands out in your mind about each well, other? 
I do, but I'm not going to tell you them online. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ronnie was a great, uh, he was a great storyteller. He used to tell some great stories about Richie Blackmore, which I'm not going to tell you, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a few times in, in, in the pub with him. Actually, with, with uh, Ronnie and Lenny in the same pub, you know, talking oh, about rock and roll and stuff and things that, uh, you know, used to happen yeah. and things we used to do back in the day. You know, but you know, yeah. <laughs> to, to be a fly on the wall, or or you know, right. to be to right. be uh, you know the suds in the glass. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you could be by the video camera. Yeah, being good conversation. You know, yeah. Well, that's the, the thing about you guys. It's very similar to Motorhead. Was that you, there's no compromise. You guys do what you, you do. And the the fans come to you, and I always like that about both bands. Is that kind of is that kind of what your vision was? You're just going to make hard music, and if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. That's right. You, you know, you can only you invite people to the family. You make records. You know, every couple of years you make a record. You stand on that because you know when when it's like Lenny used to say. You know, everybody's waiting for you to fall. You know, nobody expects your next album to be great. They all expect it to be crap, actually. So it's, you know, it's on our shoulders to make great records, really, you know, and keep that flowing. And, uh, you know, Lenny was the same. You know, his new record was very important to him. He went on tour with it. Uh, so it's the same thing, you know. And people come to, to, to see us, they get into us and they become fans. Or people, you know, don't never really heard of us. You know, you know, not everybody's heard of Saxon. Although everybody's probably heard Denim and Leather, but they just don't know it's our song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I always thought one of the most powerful songs you guys did was "Broken Heroes" that came on the radio. It was uh, I first heard it some few years ago. It just popped up on a Spotify playlist, and I just said, "Whoa!" And then the live version of Madrid is just—it's. It's so heavy, and I feel like that is riddled with with history and songs of that era too. Um, so history has always been that that theme. Is there are there special memories about that song? Or can you talk about just kind of you know when when that was created and, and songs like that? Broken Heroes. Uh, well, Broken Heroes really is a song. I originally intended to be to be a song about uh, injured injured soldiers coming back from war. Uh, that that's really what the idea of the song was, but it sort of morphed into something else. But um, you know, I mention uh, four or five different uh, conflicts in the song. Uh, but I think I wrote the song around about the the time of the Falklands War, you know, that period, mm. basically. So, um, but it is about um, it's about young men going off to war and coming back broken, really. So. That's the idea of the song, although, you know, maybe people uh, don't get that. They get that, uh, you know, the, the soldiers died and they're broken heroes. But the original idea was to sing it about, uh, you know, you know, the forces coming back broken, either mentally or physically. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, like... you, you guys grew up in post-war, World War II, you know, UK. What was, what was it like as a kid? Coming up. Yeah, we're 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 like Sting, born in the fifties, you know. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was a weird time, really. And um, 
I mean, there's a lot, still a lot of war things around in in the, in the UK. There's still a lot of like bomb damage and uh, a lot of holes on the fields and things where where the Germans used to drop their bombs when they were, you know, when they couldn't find the target, they just dropped them. So you know, I lived in the country, but there's still a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of because um, they were going to invade, weren't they? The Nazis were going to invade the UK, so they built a lot of like gun emplacements and pillboxes all over the place. They're still there, actually. You know, not far from me. If I go to the beach, the, the gun emplacements and the concrete bunkers are still there. They've obviously got no guns on them. But they're, they're still there, still still standing guard <laughs> on the coast of England, you know. Yeah. Wow. Those historic reminders are just, I mean, gosh, I mean, I, if I saw that, it would just be just sort of chills, you know, the, the history and the raw nature you know of course you know i we're younger you know reading about it's one thing but for anyone who lived that era or was born around that time holy crap you know it's just surreal yeah it is anyway on a on a on a, on a good note mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> on a good note the album is fantastic you know yeah, yeah it really is <laughs> are you having as much fun as you had in the beginning when you guys started out it seems like you guys are yeah, we're, we're having great fun. We love writing songs and creating, you know, creating atmospheres and making albums. So it, it's all about that. That's what gives us the juice, yeah. The new album gives us the juice and the, and the adrenaline to go on tour on these long tours, you know. And uh, I mean, you know, it keeps you fit. keeps you fit. Do you ever see you guys um, putting out two albums back to back like you did in 1980 again? You at that point where you want to just well, keep I'm making sure music? I'm sure we I'm I'm sure we could do if we if we wanted to. I mean I think there's more record company management that wanted us to do that in 1980. I think we'd have yeah. probably been been happier touring the world on wheels of steel rather than being, you know, taken back to England and sent to some mountain to write another, you know, go and write another album, you know, with it. Yeah. <laughs> this this one's burst, new album, you know. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, I love it, it. Yeah, we could do, but we won't do. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Biff, thank you for taking the time, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, anything else you'd like to say or like to add at all? Well, it's been great talking to you both. And, uh, you know, you need, we need to spread the word about the new album across, uh, especially across the uh, USA. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure people are going to love it to get hear it and come see us on tour. We land in Florida on the 23rd of, uh, April, and then we do. I think we do 31 shows in America, and we're talking yeah. about maybe coming back uh, in November doing some West Coast shows as well. So we're going to be uh, in your faces. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. We're so way. excited. We're so excited. Yeah. So thank you, Biff, man. Thank you for doing. Thank this. you, sir. No problem. Yeah. yeah.